morning, ladies and gentlemen. Dear Nicola, thank you very much for the uh, kind invitation to be the moderator of this panel. I'm honored, and I'm also honored to be the uh, among two very distinguished personalities of uh, World Civic. Two people that uh, they don't only have the official uh, positions today, but also they have been engaged for far too many years with European politics, European thinking uh, in general, and about shipping in particular. Uh, so, Mr. Plakiotakis, uh, the Honorable Minister of Marine for uh, the Hellenic Republic, and uh, Mr. Vasilis Dimitriadis, the Honorable Deputy Minister of Marine for the Republic of Cyprus, uh, are here to tell us uh, what is really happening behind the scenes. We read the press, we read the announcements, but our, uh, I think the objective today should be to better understand what is happening in uh, shipping behind the various uh, uh, readings and announcements. Uh, we will try to think out of the box today, and uh, I have written some uh, questions about uh, about mostly about the European Union uh, maritime policy. It will be nice to keep them uh, here for the rest of the day uh, and get the most out of it, but uh, my friend Nicholas didn't allow that, so we'll try to limit that to the, to the scheduled time. So in this thinking, I have written some very specific uh, questions in order to save time. One of them is, uh, the EU has taken a very firm line as far as toxic emissions generated by shipping are concerned. And uh, the question is, is this approach part of the shipping policy or part of its environmental policy? Mr. Plikatikis. Well, thank you, Mr. Plikatikis. Uh, first of all, I would like to... Thank you, Mr. Plasidakis. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank the organizers uh, for inviting me and having the opportunity to be amongst the, I would say, the leaders of the shipping industry, uh, where actually I have the opportunity to exchange uh, views on the critical challenges that uh, shipping faces today. Well, let me clear out that uh, uh, in terms of the European Union has uh, uh, an established uh, vision on uh, carbon neutral, uh, not only in shipping but in all economic sectors by 2050. Greece is of course aligned to this uh, objective and also it is including our internal climate law. But uh, the real question is that uh, I don't think we should uh, focus on either uh, uh, environmental or uh, shipping policies. The true question, the core question actually, is that the measures that have been applied uh, according to, to the policies that have been made by the European Union is that they have to uh, be aligned, of course, um, uh, with certain um, objectives, um, and they have to take into account, first of all, the competitive of the, of the European uh, industry and also uh, they must be aligned with the environmental, mainly, uh, considerations. So, uh, in this respect, uh, I feel that uh, Greece is uh, totally committed to reach the, these certain goals uh, that have been applied also in terms of uh, IMO. 
but uh, I feel that uh, mostly, uh, and answering your question particularly, I feel that uh, we have to take into account, mainly European Union is taking into account the environmental considerations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Dmitriadis. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the organizers for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to be here among such esteemed uh, shipping personalities. Uh, well, um, I think uh, we, we've been, we are facing a number of crises that inevitably impacting uh, shipping, a number of challenges that inevitably transform in shipping. But to come to your question, well, uh, we should not forget that uh, what we been facing now, especially in the European Union, it's not a matter whether it's, uh, it derives from uh, transport or environmental policies, but uh, from um, the entire EU, we should not forget that EU leaders mandated uh, the technocrats in, in Brussels back in December 2020 uh, to come up uh, with a policy to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 50% in 2013 and to reach uh, a carbon neutral uh, EU economy by 2050. So uh, shipping should inevitably has its, its part, its contribution to climate change. And that's why uh, we are now uh, in the process of formulating the Fit for 55. And part of it, of course, is shipping. We are, as uh, Jan has already mentioned, we are committed uh, to deliver. And, and of course, uh, the same applies for uh, IMO. For us, the most important issue is to signal that shipping is an, uh, is a, is, uh, an industry of international character. Climate change is a problem facing no borders. So inevitably, somehow, we should reach a global solution. Thank you. Thank you very much. So in other words, uh, what is happening with shipping is uh, mostly influenced by the overall environmental uh, policy of the European Union. But then it comes to the second question. Uh, do you believe that the European Union has a clear-cut policy in relation to ocean-going shipping and uh, a policy with deep understanding of what is happening in that part of, um, of shipping and how it functions? Mr. Plekulakis. It is the case that decisions within the European Union are more politically uh, driven, lacking a, a robust impact assessment on the consequences regarding the ocean-going uh, uh, shipping. Um, to my knowledge uh, and to my experience, um, we must increase the public awareness regarding the importance of uh, uh, particularly also going shipping, and it's not exaggeration to state that uh, Greek shipping is an essential factor for the world economy to keep moving. Greek, Greek shipping industry controls more than 20% of the uh, global dead weight tonnage, and it is particularly important uh, in terms of European Union, in terms of the global economy, in order to see to secure energy and um, food security needs worldwide. Uh, but I feel that, uh, uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, we need to, 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 to increase uh, the importance of shipping, uh, because shipping, after all, is, is not visible. Uh, shipping is operating worldwide, 
and particularly for shipping nations such as Greece and Cyprus, uh, we must safeguard the competitiveness of the industry uh, in order to avoid, um, let's say, uh, damage and wrong procedures uh, in terms of the European Union. But after all, uh, there is not much, I would say, knowledge uh, within the European Union in terms of the importance uh, of the ocean going shipping. Very good, thank you. Mr. Dimitriadis? Well, I think the answer to your question lies uh, on, on two words, communication and extrovertness. We in Cyprus, Greece, we are part of the decision-making in, in Europe. And of course, sometimes uh, we are approached with a number of legislative proposals that are not fit for purpose. They do not reflect uh, the realities, the specificities uh, of the sector. And it's also our responsibility, and when I say our, not only the regulators, but the entire shipping community to better communicate uh, the importance of the shipping sector uh, globally to, for uh, the European Commission and also the European Parliament to better understand that uh, shipping is uh, a strategic asset uh, for Europe. And of course, we need to become more extroverted. This is also an important pillar of our strategies, cyber shipping strategy, that uh, the, the sector is very introverted in its approaches. We, we need to reach out to the NGOs, uh, to all those influencing the, the green agenda in Europe in order to better understand how is the value of this sector and how it contributes to the European economy to preserve it. Thank you. I think all of us having been shipping admit and accept that the public image of shipping and the public awareness about the role of shipping is, uh, is not as good and certainly it needs improvement. But then it comes the question, and what about the regulators? Because they come up with decisions making and uh, we should expect them to come to know what it is about. So it's uh, two points, uh, one point, two sides. So do you think, and I think it's a crucial question, do you think that the European Union has a very clear uh, maritime policy with a vision and an implementation plan? Mr. Blake, thank you. Well, I think that uh, the real answer is uh, no. But uh, we, as the the largest shipping nations, both Greece, Cyprus, and Malta, of course, we control more than 70% of the European shipping. Um, uh, Greece alone has uh, more than 58% of the European uh, fleet. I think um, we have the responsibility to establish uh, uh, European uh, decision uh, that are to the benefit of the European shipping in order to avoid competitive distortion and allocation, this is very important, allocation of shipping activity outside European Union. This is the case with the uh, European shipbuilding uh, sector where actually uh, the Europeans didn't manage uh, to um, to cope with this uh, issue, so these days uh, shipbuilding is outside Europe. Uh, it's in Japan, Korea, China. So we cannot afford to lose 
European shipping. We cannot afford to lose Greek shipping. We cannot afford to lose Cypriot shipping or Maltese Malta shipping. So, uh, after all, uh, I think we, we need to, to formulate, we need to establish uh, European decisions that are to the benefit of the European industry. Thank you. Actually, it is said by me, uh, among the shipping people that the best friends of uh, Korean, uh, Chinese and uh, Japanese shipping are the European Union regulators. Well, uh, when it comes to European um, shipping, I must say the main difference between EU and IMO is that EU regulates on the entire supply chain, whereas IMO is focused on ships. And what uh, we we have uh, actually we are representing here, which is the core of of shipping. So. It's more complex for the EU to come up with a, a solid uh, policy that is fit for purpose. And that's why uh, we feel also responsible to better communicate the interest, uh, the importance of shipping, uh, especially to the European uh, Commission, to make sure that uh, their policy is, is not uh, is fit for purpose. And of course, it, it does not only reflect uh, uh, the short-term approaches to meet uh, some challenges, but it's a long-term vision to preserve uh, the competitiveness of the of the shipping sector. Uh, we need uh, definitely to uh, to better communicate uh, our interest and, of course, to to influence the decision uh, making in, in Europe by building also some alliances within like-minded uh, shipping nations because. I can agree with Yanis uh, about the Greece, uh, Cyprus, and Malta, but I do believe that we have a lot of a lot of um, um, points and uh, interests in common with other like-minded uh, shipping nature. So it's all about uh, getting more organized and communicating that together with uh, with the, the industry, of course, because uh, nowadays it's more important than ever that regulators and industry should go hand in hand. I think uh, both of you have admitted uh, what uh, we all suspected, that the European Union does not have a clear-cut maritime policy. But then it comes to the question, should you, the two of you plus uh, Malta, try to lead an initiative about the formulation of a very clear, with very good understanding of, uh, of ocean-going shipping? Because it is said that uh, when you talk to the Europeans, most of them about shipping, most of them think that it is this coastal uh, uh, passenger and uh, river shipping, which is totally unrelated to what we are talking about today. So the question is, would you, as Greece and Cyprus and uh, Malta, uh, sit down together and uh, try to formulate and lead the way? It's not only a matter of Greece, Cyprus, or Malta. The European Union must realize that um, uh, shipping is responsible for more than 90% of the export trade, uh, especially during this uh, difficult period of the pandemic, of the recent energy crisis because of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. We've managed to uh, keep the, the supply chains uh, open, 
Um, nowadays, I'm proud to announce that uh, uh, more than 50 ships are engaged in the operation of the um, Black Sea Grain uh, Initiative uh, in order to secure the food and energy uh, uh, stability in the whole world. So uh, it's, it's not a matter of, uh, let's say, um, uh, explaining in, in terms of, uh, of uh, and presenting uh, the Greek Cypriot uh, Martazis prospect, but uh, most of all, uh, I think uh, the European Union must uh, realize uh, the high importance of, uh, of the ocean going shipping. Uh, without shipping, there is no trade. I mean, as simple as that. So everybody should realize not only the importance of, 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 the, of the shipping industry, but also the importance of the seafarers, uh, which is, uh, to my point of view, of, of absolute importance. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Dimitriades. Well, certainly we have a role to play, but we cannot influence the decision-making just the three, the three countries. I think it needs a consistent approach, uh, not only to have strong messages towards the, the regul regulators there, but also uh, to bring together the industry, because uh, talking now also from my experience in Brussels, I've spent 12 years there, uh, whenever a regulator receives an industry that is so fragmented, then is music to the ears of the regulator. Because at the end of the day, if, if uh, we are receiving the industry with different interests, then uh, we can just draw our line and proceed with what we have in mind. So it's important, and this is a message also from the industry that will help us to have a more solid message, that the industry not to be that fragmented. I mean, if you discuss uh, the North and South, they have a completely different approach when it comes to shipping, and of course, uh, each, each, um, I mean, a shipping uh, organization in different countries is knocking the door of the Commission, uh, signaling different messages. So, uh, I think what is very important is to have a, a solid, united industry towards the messages that will make also our role as important shipping nations uh, more important, so we can make the message much more stronger towards the. Uh, the regulators towards the European Parliament and towards the Commission. Thank you. I would like to share uh, some thoughts of mine with you. I mean, we are a great industry. We offer so much to the standards of living of the world societies. Uh, we transport 90-95% of the world trade. We are by far the most competitive industry in the world. What, is, what we read about in economic books at universities is applicable to, to ocean going shipping. Uh, there's no substitute of shipping. There's no time limit of uh, how far shipping will leave. And nevertheless, we are following the regulators. I think we should find a way and lead the way. We, we all remember that uh, a very young girl from Sweden, I think, and uh, she came up with this um, uh, green, uh, green uh, aspirations, and she became a public figure within a few months. She was admitted by Obama, I think, at the United Nations, got awards. Uh, the news was first item in the news was about this uh, lady. Uh, so, for goodness sake, I think uh, world shipping 
should try to find its uh, position of what is happening. Sorry about this, but I'm very emotional, this uh, stuff. Uh, because you said about the European Union uh, decision-making, it has been imposed by the European Commission that all members should have a unified opinion at IMO. No objections, in other words. Is this still the case? And if yes, how does it work? Does it work for the benefit of saving or for the benefit of uh, the Commission? Like a Takis. To add to the previous question, I think it's not only a matter of uh, governments. It's only a matter of stakeholders uh, in and outside of the industry. Because in order to, uh, to tackle not only the, uh, the, the challenges that uh, shipping will face in the future, but also uh, we need a strong voice uh, uh, in the decision-making process uh, from the institutions, from the, uh, for example, from the, from the unions of the of ship owners, uh, from the stakeholders, uh, from the ship, from the ship, ship shipyards, from the oil refineries, from the engine manufacturers. So uh, it's a matter of coordination uh, of, of these ideas. But with respect to your question, I've, I've already answered. Uh, I think uh, this is the. This is still the state, but um, uh, we need um, to formulate um, European decisions. Uh, we need to establish European decisions that is, that is to the benefit of the European uh, uh, industry uh, in order to avoid uh, distortions and uh, allocation of shipping activities outside the European Union. So, uh, Greece, Cyprus, and Malta. We do have the leading role. Uh, we need to uh, educate, we need uh, to communicate our knowledge, our deep knowledge, because we do have deep knowledge on, uh, on particularly on also going shipping, on the challenges that uh, shipping will face in the future, digitalization, uh, cybersecurity issues, decarbonization, the shortage of human capital. These are the challenges that. Uh, global shipping will face in the near future, but particularly within the European Union, I feel that um, um, we, uh, as the leading maritime nation, uh, should establish um, uh, decisions that are in the favour of uh, our industry. Thank you, Mr. Vlekodakis. Mr. Dimitriadis. Well, your question is it's about the competency issue. Of course, in the European uh, Union, when there is uh, a, a European uh, framework in place, uh, of course, uh, we are bound uh, to follow the, the European position, to promote the European uh, position and not to deviate uh, in IMO. But what is extremely important it is not to appear in a global forum, I mean, especially for shipping that we are aiming for global solutions, just to demonstrate our, high our higher level of ambition vis-a-vis -vis, uh, other regions. It's all about how we bridge the gap. It's all about how we are promoting our position and to reach a global solution. So on that, uh, when it comes to IMO, we should use our network uh, wisely. We should demonstrate that we are ready to listen to less developed countries, to countries with lower ambition, 
in order to, to see if they need capacity building, if they need any other sort of support in order to bridge the gap. Because regulating only in Europe, appearing there with uh, statements showing how ambitious we are, we don't get into any, anywhere. I mean, we have to show that we are ready to be constructive and we are ready for a compromise. That's why it's not an issue only of having one single voice, but how we could use this position wisely to bridge the gap with uh, countries or regions that uh, they lack of ambition and of course uh, to be ready for compromises and I think um, Greece, Cyprus, they have a role to play there because they are well respected nations in, in the IMO framework. Thank you. As you may know today, if I'm not mistaken, we celebrate the World Maritime Day. I haven't read the newspapers today, but certainly the headlines do not be talking about it. And uh, uh, just to uh, challenge the European uh, uh, Parliament, I don't think anybody at the, par at the, par the European Parliament today is aware of that. So certainly something is missing. It won't be bad actually to have uh, to try to have one session at the European Parliament about uh, ocean going shipping because we all talk among ourselves about the benefits that we offer to the world as uh, shipping. But the point is uh, to make it public to the ones who make the decisions. So, you know, the, the European Parliament, I would say that possibly less than 10% are aware of what is happening. Anyway. Recently, there was one more study from the European Union about semen availability, nationalities, etc. Do you think it is time for the EU to go to action and come up with a very comprehensive approach of how EU citizens should be encouraged to be employed on board EU flag vessels? Thank you. Well, the, the shortage of uh, uh, of qualified uh, officers uh, will be one of the, to my point of view, is, is, the, is the biggest challenge that shipping will face uh, in the future. Uh, the International Chamber of Shipping estimates that there will be a shortage of more than 90,000 officers by 2026. So uh, no matter what level the automation reaches in, in, in the shipping industry, still we need uh, uh, qualified and quality uh, officers to cope with the new uh, challenges of decarbonization, digitalization. Uh, so, uh, in a way, uh, if we increase the, the public awareness of shipping, uh, if we explain the, the, the important role of shipping uh, in, in, in the world economy, I feel that we can attract uh, young people to the industry because, after all, it's a uh, it's a well-paid career, a uh, socially rewarding career, uh, and in that respect, um, uh, we as a Ministry of Maritime Affairs and Insurance Policy, we are going to propose a, a comprehensive approach of, on, on, uh, on how to upgrade our maritime education. Still, um, we, have, uh, we have evaluated that uh, in Greece, uh, over the coming years, we need uh, about 3,000 officers, qualified officers, for the next 20 years in order uh, to cope with the, the with expectations 
um, of, uh, of, of the growing of the sh uh, Greek shipping industry. Um, last year only, the Greek shipping industry, there was an increase of more than 7%. 7% increase only and, and, and during the last year. So, uh, after all, we need uh, qualified uh, officers. We need uh, to upgrade our uh, public maritime education system. Of course, uh, we are going to open the, uh, the private sector in terms of the maritime education. Uh, but uh, but still, uh, we need to uh, to convince uh, young people. It's not easy. It's not an easy job. Uh, working conditions, um, of course, uh, are in a very high standard these days uh, within the ships. But still, uh, stands the case on how to attract young people to to the shipping industry because we do not only need qualified officers in the ships. We need qualified personnel outside. Uh, so this is the case. Qualified and committed because of the peculiarities of going to the sea, uh, Mr. Dimitriadis. Well, shortage is indeed a major problem uh, for shipping and uh, I think we should approach it uh, in, a, in a more holistic way. Uh, first of all, to improve um, the the conditions, uh, working conditions, living conditions on board, the standards of training, we should uh, make an evaluation whether what we have in place is, is adequate. And then, of course, to tackle problems like the criminalization uh, of seafarers. I mean, if you, you face all these incidents that uh, captains and members of crews are, are accused on issues that they don't have any responsibility at all. This is not, is not helping uh, respective of the campaigns we are making. Coming now to the campaigns, uh, okay, we, we need to do a number of things to make uh, the industry more visible to the younger generation. In Cyprus, we just uh, um, presented two campaigns. One is targets women in shipping. We have introduced a new shipping term, which is woman in shipping. It's something that I already wrote to Kida Glim to introduce it in the, in the maritime terminology, because in English, it's not that rich as the Greek language. We don't say, uh, we say epandrosi or stelechosi. In English, we just say manning. So, uh, showing our acknowledgement and appreciation to women in shipping is good to use the term woman. The second, approaching the young uh, people, we came up with um, um, a new campaign under the name Let's Disco, where Disco for us is dive into shipping career opportunities. It's an interactive program to make uh, young people to know more about the sector because we don't want to force people to follow this profession. It's all about becoming more familiar with the sector, to like it and to feel like it's worth uh, going there, not just to end up having uh, more people in the academies and at the end of the day they don't stay on board. So it's more important to create a culture for the seafaring profession and of course to signal that experience on board will really help them for a bright career also ashore at the later stage. Thank you. I think we should focus on, uh, on the students at, uh, at schools at the age of uh, 15, 16 years old because uh, they are at the time uh, uh, to make a decision of their future. 
uh, certainly have met many uh, shipping decision makers from the US and the EU. Whom do you consider to be the more pragmatic, uh, realistic and down to earth? Thank you. Well, both uh, the US and the European Union are very uh, influential players and each has its own priority. But uh, to be honest, during the recent uh, energy crisis and of course during the pandemic, both they were uh, pragmatic. Um, we've managed to, uh, to keep the supply chain flowing, which was very uh, important. Um, despite, of course, all the health restrictions and the uh, uh, security challenges in the Black Sea. And I would like also, I'm very proud to say that uh, more than 50 ships um, uh, that are um, serving the Black Sea Initiative, the Black Sea Grain Initiative, are Greek-owned. Uh, but also, it is important that um, both the um, they consult and take seriously into account uh, the views of maritime countries. Also, with respect to the sanctioned regime, I feel that uh, uh, the sanction must be as aligned as possible at the global level in order to avoid uh, distortions, um, because otherwise regulatory fragmentation creates gaps that will be uh, urgently filled by operators from other uh, jurisdictions. And finally, because uh, the, the question still, still would turn to the Russian oil price gap, uh, the design of the scheme and also uh, its particular implementation must take into account the, the particularity of shipping, of how shipping operates. So, so um, I feel that both the US and, and the European Union uh, should, in any case, consult uh, the maritime nations that have great expertise on all subjects. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fleck. Thank you, Mr. Dimitriadis, please. Well, it's not a matter of making a distinction who is more pragmatic. Uh, nowadays, strike a balance between a pragmatism and being ambitious and being ambitious is is not that easy but uh, i think the recent uh, crisis that uh, we've been facing either being the covid pandemic or the russian invasion to ukraine uh, i think made shipping more visible because more uh, i mean Influ influential actors from the EU, but also from uh, the states, realize the importance of shipping, and they they ready every, they are ready every time to present a proposal to take into account the specificities uh, of, of the sector because uh, they are, they understand that without shipping, I mean the the flows of oil or the grain or whatever uh, important commodities would not be possible. So that's why we're in a consistent um, discussions and even battles sometimes from uh, in the EU to make uh, shipping uh, visible, uh, uh, preserving the level playing field, because we should have a set of sanctions in place that uh, we are not, they are gonna, not going to have uh, any loopholes 
to make sure that these are effective and uniformly applied, and not to face uh, uh, incidents uh, such as having ship owners flagging out from the EU registries and continue to trade with Russia. So it is very important to have sanctions that could be uniformly applied, effective, and to preserve the, the level playing field in order to maintain uh, the competitiveness of EUCP. Well, you see the question um, uh, just raised uh, had a hidden uh, objective, trying to find out if there is somebody more reliable than the other, either is it the US or the EU. Yesterday afternoon I was reading something, I don't know if it's accurate actually, that uh, the ship owners should be, um, should be part of this uh, price cap of crude oil. So in other words, the ship should know how much the cargo owner paid for the, for the cargo. And if the cargo has been sold several times while being on board, as you know, how on earth could the ship owner know about it? So if this is not Baronia, then what is it? And uh, talking about the sensitivity of the various uh, nations during the, the COVID crisis, uh, it is uh, said, and I think it's a fact, that a Greek-owned uh, ship was carrying a dead seaman for seven months because none of the ports was uh, willing to take him out. So uh, how much uh, respect they have for the industry is to be questioned. Do you believe there are very, uh, very many ideas about uh, how to restrict the, the, the emissions generated from the shipping industry? Do you think that uh, which one serves, will serve best the shipping community? The ETS proposed by the European Union or a levy system? Thank you, Mr. Blackett. Well, uh, uh, Greece, over the past 10 years, has been advocating um, uh, a market-based uh, measures um, that is um, a predictable and stable carbon price. And I'm, uh, I'm really uh, happy to, uh, to note that uh, uh, this idea, at least at the level of IMO, it gains more and more support uh, these days. After all, we believe that the revenues gained by uh, this market-based measure um, will speed up the decarbonization process. They should be invested in the R&D in order to cope with the biggest challenge that the shipping will face in the future, which, uh, apart from decarbonization, is, is to secure the availability of the safe, new, uh, alternative fuel of zero or low carbon, and of course, it's uh, the related infrastructure, because these days, uh, we don't know neither the technology, neither the, the alternative uh, fuel. So, uh, a market-based measures, uh, a predictable and stable carbon price can be uh, a solution uh, uh, that will be applied uh, in the global shipping. Of course, uh, in terms of the EU ETS, we have uh, ex expressed our objectives. 
uh, is now uh, EU finalizing the, uh, the relevant uh, uh, regulation, but uh, we are trying to introduce, even though that this, um, uh, this um, uh, regulation is, uh, is finalizing, uh, we're trying to safeguard the ETS cost uh, that will target the, the, the right actors which in our case is according to the fundamental principle that the polluter uh, pays. And finally, as soon as, uh, for example, a market-based measure uh, is adopted by, a, by IMO, uh, we must, in any case, uh, avoid the double charging. Uh, so this is a good uh, case of uh, realistic policies uh, that uh, we are advocating. Thank you, Mr. Dimitriadis, please. Well, uh, ETS versus levy. Um, I mean, it will come to no surprise that Cyprus in the past submitted uh, jointly with uh, Denmark and some other countries our preference for a levy. But, uh, I mean, now we are just about to formulate uh, an emissions trading scheme in Europe. Uh, as Yanis already mentioned, and I think this it was a major success of Greece and Cyprus to convince the EU regulators for the first time to acknowledge uh, the role also of the, of the commercial operators and the polluters pays principle. It's for the first time reflected in that regulatory framework. And of course, uh, when it comes to the decarbonization path, we need a basket of measures, uh, technical, uh, market-based. So we are, we should be open uh, at IMO to reach a solution that is global and effective. And when it comes to Europe, uh, we have clearly stated uh, that it's very important to have a sunset clause within the Fit for 55. Uh, once IMO reaches a global solution, uh, to repeal what we are, I mean, uh, what we are going to formulate and apply in Europe. So we are not asking just a review clause, but a sunset clause. So this is very important, showing to the rest of the world that Europe is ready and is determined for a, a global measure and not just a review clause that might take two, three years after the adoption of a global measure. Thank you, very clear. Uh, as my friend Nicholas may not uh, invite me in the future of this uh, panel, I want to share with you my personal thought that I think it's a failure of the shipping community that we didn't raise the levy uh, early on and simply now we, are, we follow the EU ETS and we complain about it. Gentlemen, as you may not be aware, there's a clock down here and it's, it has turned red. It tells me that we are overdue. Uh, Honorable uh, Panelists, thank you very much for, uh, for being with us.